The day has come. The boys are shipping out to Boston to begin the 2020 campaign, and today will mark the day that will be remembered as the most pivotal point of Nate Pearson's early career, a day where he can force the organization's hand. If he dominates the Red Sox the way he's dominated every team before him, the Blue Jays will have no choice but to break camp with him and lose a year of service time. If you're Ross Atkins, this might be the only game you ever want to see Nate Pearson get hit hard. For the rest of us, we're left somewhere in the middle, hoping he is incredible, but also uneasy about the repercussions of his excellence six years from now, wishing we had a seventh. All right, everybody, today is Tuesday, July 21st. The year is 2020. You are listening to Underdogs. My name is Jacob Eman. Here with me, as always, is David Patrick Fleming. How are you, David? I'm doing good. How are you? Not too bad, not too bad. Um, I just want to, before we start, get in the final message here about our Fantasy Baseball League. Today is the final day to send us a message with your email address, with a sign-up, so that we can get you into our fantasy baseball league. We still have a few spots available, and uh, we would love for you to join us. It's going to be a lot of fun. As we mentioned, the winner, if they so choose, is welcome to come on to our podcast. At the end of the season, they can gloat, they can rub it in our faces. And David and I competing, whoever places lower between the two of us will be humiliated by the other person. Oh, wait, 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 though. Uh, on Friday, I said to you that if I were to beat you, that you'd shave half your beard. Now, here we are, and you've, all, you've shaved your beard. So for me, that looks like a sign that you're afraid, mm-hmm. that you're having some doubt that you might. And so you shaved it preemptively to avoid having to have half a beard. Well, you should know that by, I don't know, tomorrow, I'll have another full beard that, yeah, <laughs> that you, you can make had... me shave. You had like a four-month beard. Like yes. That was, it was a huge beard. It was a huge beard. It had been trimmed a couple of times, so it wasn't the full four months. Um, but the bigger the beard, the more the humiliation. So you just took off like two months of humiliation. Yeah. I mean, I guess you'll have to come up with something else. There was no rules <laughs> about me having to maintain a beard going into our fantasy baseball league just so that on the off chance that you and very unlikely chance that you managed to place higher than me in this league that you, that I would have to shave my beard. That's no, a that's preposterous b- claim, David. That's, that's Bush League. You should have left that beard. I didn't shave my head because you told me I might have to shave my head. I've left the hair, <laughs> no, I've you left said, the hair on my head. You said unequivocally that you would not do that because you're an alien and you have an alien head and you don't want people to know about it. I didn't say I'm an alien. I said I had an alien head. I didn't say that I would be exposed as being an alien (laughs) and the only thing keeping me from that is the hair on my head. That's not what I took your words to mean. So, Uh, Yesterday when I introduced you on the show, I referred to you as Young Chug and Mm -hmm. I meant to uh, get you to explain that, but I was asked uh, by somebody uh, why you're called Young Chug, so I wanted to give you the opportunity if you so choose to explain to the people why your nickname is young chug 
I'm very, I'm very proud of my nickname, uh, precisely because I've earned it. Okay. Um, now, some people might know Young Thug, who is a musician, rapper, uh, makes some really catchy tunes. I enjoy listening to them. And so it was inspired, I believe, by Young Thug that my nickname Young Chug came about. Young Chug came about. First of all, I am young, I guess, in comparison to the people that that uh, dubbed me Young Chug. And this was a particular evening where I was playing a game uh, with a few friends of mine called Odds. And Odds is a very simple game, um, a little difficult to explain, but once you once you understand it, it's quite simple. And the premise is that you and the person who are giving you the odds um, have 20 numbers to choose from. So say, for example, David, I'm like, odds you chug that water you're drinking right now. And you would decide what you want the odds to be between 1 and 20. And you can make the odds smaller by choosing a smaller number. So say you're kind of scared to do it, you want to choose 20 because it's the, it's the greatest um, spread of odds that you could have to have to drink it. So after you choose 20, someone else will count down 3, 2, 1. Then at, at that point in time, you and I both will try and say a number between 1 and 20. If we say the same number, you, you're going to have to chug it. You're going to have to chug that water. If we say a number that is 1 apart, so say I guessed 15 and you said 14, the odds would switch. Now I might have to chug that glass of water that you've got there, and we count down again because now the odds have flipped on me. When I play this game, I always, no matter what, no matter what anyone is asking me, I always choose two. I like, I like going 50-50 and I like forcing the other person to have to do it because I'm never afraid to chug. I will always chug if someone asks me to do it. So on this particular night, people want to take advantage of that. Basically, when, if I'm out drinking with this particular group of friends, they're going to say, hey, young chug, odds you chug this? I say two. And they're like, oh, okay, because you know, people get excited. They, they might want to chug too, but mostly they want to see me chug. And this particular night, I can't uh, i feel unclear about the number i might have to get back uh tomorrow about the number but uh i'm particularly known for chugging twisted teas um they're my go-to for chug it's it's a it's a strong drink uh, you know five or six percent and it goes down real smooth there's no carbonation so i can just yeah that seems it. like cheating because there's no carbonation well it just means that i'm less likely to puke or gag right after and there's less of a disgusting massive burp after i chug a beer and like i'm happy to chug a beer this night there was many beers that i chugged as well but i believe there was eight twisted teas in total and then there was a couple of other beers so this was a massive night of chugging and it it's uh, i mean the story isn't that exciting but i chugged a lot in one night and uh i was dubbed young chug so Basically, they took the youngest member of this group and made him develop a drinking problem. I'm actually not even the youngest, but I am the chuggiest. <laughs> so, it's crunch time for the Blue Jays. Um, we have two games against another club to iron our lineup out. I mean, it's first of all, it's, it's super exciting and crazy that we are playing a different team for the first time and uh, the season starts this week. Yeah, they're actually traveling to a different stadium. We're going to see actual 
you know, competition outside of inner squad games. Nate Pearson on the mound tonight. That, yes. That's the headline right there. Of course. Of course it is. And it's going to be interesting to see how much uh, the lineup differs from tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, you know, kind of see who they're still trying to get that last read on before they start the the season in earnest um, against Tampa. So, I mean, I'm... I'm fully expecting Nate Pearson to dominate the Red Sox so, tonight. Well, let's go over a couple scenarios here. Let's say he does. Mm-hmm. Let's say he dominates. Let's say they let him throw for, I don't know, four innings. Let's say over four innings, he strikes out seven. He lets up two hits, no runs, no walks. What happens? Are you asking if Nate Pearson makes the team? Because something to consider, at least... Let's just say that let's just say that the CBA remains the same mm-hmm. and that uh, it's still going to be the same collective bargaining agreement that exists now. If the Blue Jays say, "Okay, you know what? You've proved yourself. You made the team," but then all of a sudden, three games into this sixty-game season, they cancel the whole season. Teams are dropping like guess who flaps because everybody's getting the virus and they're like done. So not only have you lost a year on the back end of Nate Pearson, but you've also lost this year. So what do you do? That's not that far fetched a thing to happen. It's not, but I also think that there is an element and the blue Jays are experiencing it in many ways, but this pandemic, it takes no prisoners. It, it it seems like it can lay waste to the best laid plans and the MLB doesn't have the best laid plan. And I, to me, I think that the, the, the Jays just have to eat it, you know, and this year is what it is and, and they're going to have to deal with it five years from now with Nate Pearson. But I think the only way the Blue Jays get out of uh, Nate Pearson breaking camp with this team is for him to have a disastrous outing. Like he needs to... I don't know, barely make it out of an inning. He needs to have like four earned runs in two innings or something. He needs to get lit up. Otherwise, I don't see I don't see a reason that the Blue Jays could explain to people who are asking them questions as journalists what their reasoning, a believable reason for not having Nate Pearson on this team that isn't saying, listen, the organization is going to be fucked if we don't have Nate Pearson for that final year. It, it doesn't make any sense for our organization to not bring him up for a week so that we can have him a year, especially during this year that we don't know if we're going to play for the whole season. I, since they but can't it seems, say that... It seems, it seems like they're, they're, they're forcing the opportunity. I mean, they're, they're allowing him to pitch tonight. It's not. They could have jogged the schedule in some other way. He could have started one of those inner squad games. They're giving him the spotlight in this exhibition game to be in Boston and to pitch. So that seems like to me, they're saying this is in your hands because I can't see them being like, oh, we fucked up here. We shouldn't have let him pitch tonight because now if he does really good, it's going to be more difficult for us not to call him up. So it seems to me that they're obviously aware of that possibility and they welcome it. Yes. But I think it, it's it's both uh, their opportunity, they're giving him an opportunity, but it's their only opportunity for him to fail. 
because thus far he's been dominant against every intra-squad, every lineup we've put up against him of our own team. So their only chance for him to do poorly and not be the pitcher with the best stuff on this team uh, as has been evident so far is to have him face another team. And hopefully, maybe maybe they don't feel that way, but hopefully um, he doesn't perform. So, so you're Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro. What do you secretly in the guts of your heart want to happen tonight with Nate Pearson I think in in the first first inning you say you 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 want Nate to maybe load the bases maybe have two men on nobody out get himself into a jam looks like he's sweating out there a bit just to sort of feel a bit overmatched maybe get out of it with one run that inning bring him out for a second inning hope that he gets a couple hits on him again and uh and then you you say to Charlie, take him out. He's you know he's a bit overwhelmed by the moment. He's in Fenway Park for the first time, and uh, we just we just want to give him a chance and ease him in this season, not overwhelm him too much uh, by forcing him to be in the rotation right off the bat. I, I don't think that that can be the, your truth in in if you were uh, if you scheduled it that he pitches tonight. You must want him to succeed. It must trump other things. You must want him to go out there and succeed. He's like, I don't think you could ever have a player like that with that much promise who's shown so much at this stage in his career already and want him to fail. Just sort of want him to struggle just so you can avoid an awkward uh, conversation about not calling him up. I don't think, I think you want him to succeed every time that he gets the ball and you'll deal with it you'll deal with whatever the repercussions of that are. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have, to have a player who's so good that forces your hand um, to call him up sooner than maybe you want. Okay, so you put me in their shoes. Now I'm putting putting you in their shoes. Say Nate Pearson goes out tonight and he just stuffs it. He, he, you know, he has that outing you described earlier. He's shoving out there on the mound and... Uh, you don't want him to start the season. What are what is your conversation with me when I say, uh, "Hey Ross, uh, just a quick couple of questions here." So Nate Pearson has uh, been dominant every time he's been on the mound in summer camp. He was in spring training. He uh, he ran roughshod through the Boston Red Sox lineup, and yet it seems that you don't feel he's ready to be on the major league team. Can you give any indication as to why that no, is? But that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that. From my perspective, if I get to play them now, yeah. I'm saying I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I don't want him on the major league team. What I'm doing is I'm talking to his agent about a deal. I'm talking to his agent about I'm starting at like ten years, a hundred million, and just see what that does. But then why hasn't that happened? You don't know. You don't know what talks have had uh, behind the scenes. Well, talk is cheap. Not if it's a hundred million dollars. It is if if it's not inked before yeah, the season you, starts. I mean, you don't know. It's, that, it's they have Tuesday. All, they, have, they have all year to go over that. They have all next year. Like the, the that deal only has to uh, prevent from losing that last year on his on his uh, arbitration. As long as they sign that deal, whatever it is, but he's gonna get more expensive the longer he pitches. That's why if you start low, like 10 years, 100 million for a player with that potential is low. Right. But from his perspective, it might be a pretty tempting offer because he hasn't thrown 
a pitch. And as Nate Pearson knows, as he got a line drive that's cracked his forearm with two years ago, that things can happen. So you might want to take that deal. But if you're the Blue Jays, don't you want to know that he's going to take that deal before you potentially burn this year of service time and potentially two years of service time, as you said, if this year gets washed away? Because <laughs> sure, then what, perfect, what's in it for in him? Why wouldn't world. he just go to, to free agency and get his big payday? Free agency's a long time away, man. That's a long time. Six years. Yeah. I, so <laughs> that's a long time to wait to be healthy, to play up to a certain level. But if that's the idea, why hasn't a deal been done yet? You know, that's, that's all I'm saying. That deal could be in the works. It just seems a bit odd to me that he's pitching tonight is all I'm saying. And that, that, and that they would have the perspective of, oh, I hope he doesn't do good tonight. Shit. Oh, why did we, why did we schedule it this way? Oh, fuck. Oh, we just ruined the, this really great thing. I just don't think they have any other option at this point. I think their their hand has been forced in that they way. They had an option. They could have started him in one of those inner squad games. And just been like, you know, if he goes out and, sh- and and destroys an actual major league lineup that you would assume, now I don't know, but I would assume that Boston's going to put their big dogs in the lineup to get ready for the season. I would assume that. And if he goes out there, <laughs> sit down, next inning, <laughs> sit down. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you say? You say, Nate. See you in Tampa, How's buddy. $100 million sound. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that I think they just got to take the pandemic for what it is, and, and uh, Nate's on the team, and we got to gamble that, uh, you know, this season might not happen, and, and, we'll, and we'll worry about the repercussions five or six years from now when his service time is up. So let me just go a little bit further with this, you know, idea of offering him $100 million. So... He shoves tonight mm-hmm. over the next couple of days. It's like, Nate, we're calling you up. $100 million contract has been offered to him. You're Bo Bichette. How do you feel? Well, I feel pretty psyched about this year because the best pitcher in the organization is going to be on the team from the outset. And we've got a better chance at making the playoffs because of it. And I think uh, if I'm Bo Bichette, I'm like, maybe I can take advantage of this team for... You know, they gave uh, Nate Pearson that that low money. Maybe I can get a bunch more money from them. Do you think that they've uh, talked to Vladdy and Bo's agent about deals like this that have been rejected by their um, by themselves or by their agent? There's there's been no indication for me that those kind of conversations have happened or that they that happen w- in general with Russ and Mark or that they're that they're that 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 kind of ownership there was a flurry of those deals like uh was that last year i can't even remember time is so fucked up right now but there was a flurry of those deals like with acuna signing that deal bregman getting those that extension arenado whatever um you would think that they would have been on that trend and at least having those conversations now maybe they lowballed it too much but you would think that they had those conversations yeah, I think that the situation is just different. You know, we've got these legacy baseball players who come from these rich families. We've talked about that before. They don't need the money in the same way. And I think that they feel an obligation to get to free agency, to get to free agency young and continue that trend of of players getting paid at a younger age when they're, when they're worth it. And uh, I don't think it makes, it is in their best interest to take a deal at this point in time. All right.
Only time will tell. Let it be known, though. I think that we should be looking and remembering Tuesday, July 21st, 2020 as a really pivotal day in the history of the Toronto Blue Jays when Nate Pearson pitches tonight because I think it will be forever remembered as as the turning point of whether or not the Blue Jays have him for an extra year or not and what the repercussions will be in five, six years when who knows where the team will be at? Probably, probably four World Series, probably three or four <laughs> World Series in a row. And then when Nate Pearson leaves to go to the Yankees, we'll be like, all right, <laughs> you did what you were supposed to do. Great. Thank you. But do you know what I mean? Like, Laddie will be the first base coach of the team. and <laughs> we'll, We will have to have theoretically paid Vlad and Bo, or we'll be in the same year now paying Vlad and Bo, there's going to be a lot of money, a lot of players to yeah. figure out, all because we couldn't get that extra year of Nate Pearson potentially to to balance out to get another year away from all of that money being spent. That's a good problem to have. Have all those players achieving at such a level that you want to pay them so much money. Like that's a that's a pretty great problem to have. It is, but it can also be a very quick rise and fall of a potentially great team because they don't have. Uh, the, the I'll funds. take it, man. I'll take it. I'll take two, three years of World Series hope. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we talking about here? Like, the drought. The drought is real. I think there's this idea that you think once you get a team like this that it's just going to be amazing for 15 years, but it, it probably won't be. I mean, no. that's, very, that's very unlikely that it will be like that. But if you can give me three years of excitement, Playoff baseball in Toronto is so exciting. This city lights up for it. it. The dome is, it's the only time when you're in the dome when you're like, this stadium's amazing. Those voices are banging off the closed roof. It's so loud in here, the, in there, and the, the place shakes. Give me two years of that. Just give me two years of that. Yeah. I mean, look at what happened with the Cubbies. You know, they yeah. sort of been in contention the last two seasons not really it was a really quick fall off from them winning the world series to barely appearing in the playoffs so you're a you're a major league baseball player on the blue jays and you have a choice between and i'm not saying that this is the only choice or that this is the choice that's existing but let's just say you have a choice between playing all your games in baltimore or pittsburgh (laughs) <laughs> I had this exact question written out for you as well. Um, so I'm glad you asked that because I've been thinking about it and wondering about the different options. Um, it seems weird to go to Baltimore. It's such a rival. Even though they're garbage, it's such a rival. You don't go to you stay your rivals. You don't go to your enemy's house and stay and like let them take care of you and soften that rivalry. No. That's Pittsburgh. That's definitely played into my thinking as well. But from a fan's point of view, from a person who likes talking about stories and being entertained by the stories of baseball, I think it could be really fun, you know, if they have some sort of rivalry, if they're playing pranks on each other, if they're leaving things in each other's clubhouses, trying to sabotage the other guys in some way. Just think there could be a level of fun that could happen from the Blue Jays playing in Baltimore. Um, I don't know how possible that is, especially during the pandemic, um, but I'm sure that they will think of something. I would like to see Rowdy Telez hit that the building. Warehouse. Yeah, hit the warehouse. Um, I think that's a possibility if uh, 
if we play there every in Pittsburgh isn't Pittsburgh one of those parks I actually I think I'm wrong about this I was gonna say isn't isn't PNC one of those parks that has water over the right field well yeah yeah it is but but is it is it attainable though like San Francisco yep like it is yeah that I like that better than hitting a warehouse really yeah but the warehouse has never been hit is if you hit the warehouse in a derby Right, but never in a game. No. And with Rowdy's power, his uh, home run record power. That's so unlikely, though, that to, to have that be the choice. Like, we're going to go to Baltimore because Rowdy's going to hit the warehouse. And, <laughs> and then all this pressure on Rowdy, like, uh-oh. <laughs> Rowdy swings so hard that his last five hairs fall out of the top oh, of his head. Poor guy. Did you see last night that StatCast registered a Mike Ford home run? Um, from the Yankees at 680 feet. <laughs> what? How is that? What? How? I mean, I think it was a StatCast error, but it was really funny. It was all over Twitter. They had <laughs> they had a picture of the park and the, where the ball would be if it was hit 680 feet. Other people <laughs> uploaded onto Twitter uh, screenshots of, of the ESPN notification that popped up on their phone. Mike Ford hits home run, and then it just says 680 feet in brackets next to it. <laughs> <laughs> the Blue Jays got involved too, and they said, "We know what it feels like." And like had the the clip of Rowdy hitting the home run that Statcast measured as being the longest ever hit in Boston. Um, just a little little hilarious sidetrack there last night. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, the, uh, the Aaron Judge three out home run. Did you see that? Yes, I did. I <laughs> they did. Didn't even let him finish rounding the bases. <laughs> it's just so unsatisfying. Well, he didn't. He didn't know what to do because the pitcher started walking off the field while he was in the at, well, like that's just what I mean, past though. second like, base. The the Yankees say to Girardi, "Yeah, okay, like you want your pitcher to have some more some more hucks at this." So okay, we honor that. And then he crushes one, and then they run off the field. It's like no, 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 no. We allowed you to get some extra pitches in. You're going to watch Aaron Judge round these bases. You can't do that. To get back to what you were saying, though, between Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I mean, for sure, I think they're both beautiful parks, so at least there's that. When we're watching the games on TV, we'll have we'll be looking at a nice park, but I think there is something weird playing in, in, in Baltimore that I don't really like the, the vibe of. Uh, Pittsburgh feels a bit more neutral to me. The view is great. They've got the water there. I would choose Pittsburgh for sure. It will be weird to see the Blue Jays in those parks in their white uniforms. So are you choosing Pittsburgh as well then, or or are you into Baltimore? I mean, there is a version of them going to Baltimore that actually enhances the rivalry because there's so much animosity um, about having to, um, you know, be in each other's space. Yeah. But it also just feels like, to me, that it, more likely it just it feels like softened, you know, from a fan perspective. It's like, don't go to the evil man's house. Don't stay there. Don't let them take care of you. Spit on them. Tell them to go fuck themselves. Whereas, like, Pittsburgh's obviously not a rivalry of the Blue Jays at all. I would feel worse if I was a Baltimore fan and we have the Blue Jays come in who very likely are going to have a much better record and play much better baseball in their home park. And so they'll have a a semi-winning baseball team in Baltimore for the first time in a few years, but it won't be the Orioles. Could you imagine the older Blue Jays going to Baltimore to stay there with like Bautista, Tulowitzki, and Martin, and all those guys? We're so lucky that this team is young. Yeah. 
because I feel like they'll they'll manage this awkward thing better because you know they haven't lived the big league life for too long and they're you know still kind of used to traveling around triple a if this was if this pandemic was happening you know back in 2015 when you had you know bautista and all those guys oh they would be so difficult they would just be like no i'm not going i'm not playing nope fuck that (laughs) baltimore would not be on the table at all they couldn't. That would be so maddening to be a Baltimore fan and not be able to be at the stadium and like booing and yelling at Bautista and then just watching it on TV and just seeing him in the park. Oh, that would just be so maddening. Yeah, totally. I can only imagine how much you'd hate Bautista if he wasn't on your team because I loved him, but like you must just fucking hate him. Even Donaldson. Oh, totally. Like, thank God they were our team. But think about how unlikable most a lot of those guys would be. Like Edwin was lovable for sure. Yeah. But I don't even know. I don't even know if Russell Martin is liked. Even though we like, he's Canadian. We love him. He's one of ours. But I don't think he was liked by other teams. I don't think so. I could also see people hating Edwin Encarnacion. Oh man, no. He's so lovable. I don't know if he if he's that lovable to it to another team. He keeps to himself, man. He doesn't say much. His face, though, he makes faces. And he, he makes faces. He does. Oh, my God. On the scale of things that piss people off, I think a, you know, a subtle face is uh, a lot different than Bautista like sticking his dick out, walking to first base after he smokes a dinger, skipping sideways. A lot comes from someone's Josh face. Josh Donaldson, like, skipping sideways the opposite way to stare into their dugout as he sidesteps to first base. That's big difference from, like, this lovable, sweet face that Encarnacion has. You know, to some extent, what Edwin does with the parrot is rubbing it in pitchers' faces more than any slow trot around the bases. This is a dude who... He does that in his- such a workman way, though. He, he does. He, it's almost like a burden to him. Like he probably did it for the first year, and then after that, every time he does it, he's like, "Oh, this little fucking thing." Yeah, I've often wondered if he ever felt truly embarrassed, or if he ever like let it down after making it around second. Like, kind of looked at the pitcher, like the second baseman, just like, like it, looking at him with disgust at like what a child he is that he does this going around the bases. For such an overt gesture, there was nothing showbody about it. You know what I mean? Like he just put his arm up and he put his head down and ran around the bases and like very casually just kept doing this parrot thing. <laughs> you know, like it's it's really weird. I want to talk to you about uh, the game in San Francisco last night. Um, San Francisco Giants were playing the Oakland Athletics ex- exhibition game in Oakland last night and. A number of the players knelt during the national anthem, um, and as well as the manager, Gabe Kapler. And the articles I read go out of their way to mention who is kneeling, describe them kneeling, what they're doing with their hands, give you a picture of the kneeling. And uh, what stood out to me, though, was among every description of a player kneeling was this mention of the shortstop, Brandon Crawford, He's a white man, and uh, of Brandon standing between Jalen Davis and first base coach Antoine Richardson, who were kneeling. 
And Brandon stood there in the middle between them with his hands on their shoulders. And I, I just can't shake how much this bothers me. And, and I know that there's like an element of, of him like wanting to support his teammates. He at least wants them to believe that he supports Black Lives Matter, stands against the systemic racism that exists in America and against police brutality against the black community. But he won't kneel with them. And in the image of it, because he's standing in the middle, it draws the focus to him. And it's actually a position of power between them, like a lord almost. I mean, if it were a drama game and you were building a tableau, that would be a fine way to show a leader and their subordinates kneeling next to them. And now he is in every news article and his name comes way before the other two white teammates who actually knelt with Davis and Richardson. And it, it just it just bothers me. And, and maybe it shouldn't, but if you believe in it, then kneel. It just feels like such the a symbol for just the garbage things that white people do. Yeah. Just like, hey, I hear you. Oh, I hear you. Like, I'm not going to actually do anything about it, but I hear you. That right? is the representation of what he is doing in that moment. Like, if you don't believe in it, then get your hands off their shoulders and step to the side. Yeah. But don't stand there in between them with your hands on their shoulders to try to say, like, hey, I like to stand for the anthem because of my beliefs, but I also hear you. I hear you. Like, don't. That's a gross little middle ground. Yes. Yes, I'm glad you feel that way as well. I felt it. Well, bit... when you first started talking about this, I was like, oh, God, this is the last episode of Underdogs. So <laughs> thanks to all our listeners, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. But uh, no, I, I totally agree with that. If it's me out there, I'm kneeling 100%. I'm kneeling totally. all season. Uh, there's, no, there's no question about it. And so if... I'm, I'm, I want to bring it up every time I see Brandon Crawford putting his hands on someone's shoulders who's kneeling. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm, it's, it just feels like uh, such a way to try and, try and pander to both sides, try and, you know, he's, he's not going to disrespect the flag. Yeah, it's like you're running for office. Like, why are you trying to, like, <laughs> why are you trying to get, like, everybody on your side? Just be yourself and let's see what you really stand for and yep. like obviously with the gesture that you're doing it's clear but you're trying to hide something yeah and i didn't i didn't hear if he did a a zoom press conference or anything or if he talked about it after or explained his his reasoning behind it but i just hate that in every article that i read about it his name is there and it's very prominent and uh no one i, I haven't heard anyone else calling it out as a as a sort of bush league move which i think it is but uh, while we're in San Francisco, I would also just like to make sure that people know that last night history was made with the first female Major League Baseball coach to step on the field and coach in a game. Her name is Alyssa Nakin, Nakin N-A-K-K-E-N. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce the name. But uh, she entered late, uh, later in the game, later innings, to coach first base. She was a four-time All-American softball player and since 2014 has been part of the Giants staff. She started out as an intern there. Um, so between Alyssa and general manager Gabe Kapler kneeling, I've got a lot of admiration for the Giants organization today and um, happy that it is reflective 
of the amazing city that San Francisco is. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. So uh, praise to the to the San Francisco Giants. Except for Brandon Crawford, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll end it on that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nate Pearson on the hill tonight. Draft tomorrow night. Draft tomorrow night. Last chance. Send us a direct message. Send us an email at Underdogs Canada. You can email us underdogscanada at gmail.com if you want to play fantasy baseball. Join us. 